This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Good afternoon. I am Madam Adams, the New York Post's Madam Adams. I'm in it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and every Sunday I am on WABC Radio at 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And today, for no reason whatsoever, I feel like muttering. I'm going to mutter. I'm just going to tell you a thousand little things. For instance, as a teenager, Bill Clinton used to sell AstroTurf in the back of his pickup truck. Alicia Silverstone found her pet lab, Samson, abandoned on the streets of L.A. Before she was a star, Alicia wrote singer Alanis Morissette a fan letter. Audrey Hepburn's mother was a duchess. You didn't know that if I didn't tell it you. German writer Gunther Grass was West Germany President Willy Brandt's chief speechwriter. Brooke Shields, whose real first name is Krista, says that Meryl Streep, whose real first name is Mary Louise, is her hero. Ray Charles coined the term soul music. Bette Midler adopted sections on the Queen's highways at a cost of $750 a month. She pays to keep them up. Norman Mailer studied engineering at Harvard. What do Herman Woke, George Siegel, J.D. Salinger, Pat Sajak, and Issey Miyake, who's from Hiroshima, have in common? They all attended Columbia University. So did Pat Boone and Ruth Westheimer. Carol Burnett has eight stepchildren. Barbara Streisand sang in a choral group as a teenager in Coney Island. Sybil Shepherd saying, if you write her a fan letter, thank you for caring. Fans like you make it all worthwhile. Yeah, okay. Even stars like their souvenirs. Glenn Close keeps the knife from fatal attraction on her kitchen wall. John Travolta still has the platform shoes from Saturday Night Fever. Kenneth Branagh installed the throne from his Henry V in his backyard in London. Presidential kids Chelsea Clinton, Lucy Bays Johnson, Jack Ford, John Coolidge, Margaret Truman, all had Secret Service protection when they went to college. Ratings of popularity identified the following as the least popular celebrities. Dick Cavett, Ruth Westheimer, Don King, and Grace Jones. James Michener, Isai Morales, and Cyrus Vance are all adopted orphans. Lou Gossip, was drafted by the Knicks in 1958 and started out on the stage as a musician. So I feel like telling you now something about the Oscars, which I have peed on repeatedly because who watches them anymore? But the guy who used to write them all the time when we were watching was a man called Bruce Villanche. He was then civilization's best-known comedy writer. He was a six-time Emmy winner a former joke writer for what is left of the Oscars. And he used to say that when the Oscars were good, during the Oscars, we sat in a little TV room off stage watching to see whatever is happening. Pros like Billy Crystal, Steve Martin, could handle material that we prepared. When Michael Moore won and started a speech about war, and George Bush then got booed, we writers went crazy screaming about follow-up jokes, what we should do and say. Steve Martin was great. Right out of the commercial, he calmly said, stagehands are now helping Michael Moore into the trunk of his car. Okay, I'm going on with more things, so don't hang up because I'll get better. This is just, I was just in the mood for all of these little-known anythings. Dionne Warwick is godmother to O.J. Simpson's daughter, Arnella. Jimmy Stewart was godfather to Jane Fonda. Gene Siskel 
bought John Travolta's white Saturday Night Fever suit. He paid $2,000. Then, 17 years later, at a Christie's auction, he resold it for $145,000. Starting out as a band, John Lennon and Paul McCartney used the name Johnny and the Moondogs. The Beatles and Rolling Stones originally called themselves the Silver Beatles and the Silver Rolling Stones. Eddie Murphy once bought a Jimi Hendrix headband for $19,500. Agatha Christie was addicted to doing numerical puzzles and said she'd be a mathematician if she hadn't written mystery novels. In 1986, for $93,500, Charlie Sheen bought the baseball that went through Bill Buckner's legs to give the Mets the world championship. I'm pressing on. Geronimo's real name was Goya Thaley. It means in Indian, one who yawns. Nobody's going to ask you that, but in case they do, I want you to have the answer. Woodrow Wilson affectedly spelled OK as O-K-E-H, which he considered the proper Choctaw spelling. Timothy Leary was godfather to Winona Ryder, whose real last name is Horowitz. Well, while it's bubbling about entertainment, which is basically what I'm doing today. How about some famous phrases from famous faces, like Idris Elba? This is his identical quote. Women fall in love by what they hear, men by what they see. That's why women wear makeup and men lie. Ah, I'm going on. Angelina Jolie, she has said, quote, Expecting a woman to be an angel, a man must create heaven for her first. Yeah, why? Well, because, she said, angels don't live in hell. This is her quote, not mine, so don't pick on me. Taylor Swift, quote, There is no explanation. Soon there is just reputation. I stick with that. I don't know what the hell she was talking about. I'm just quoting her. Denzel Washington. Small minds discuss people. Gossip and great minds discuss ideas and events. So I guess mine is a teeny mind because I'm going on. How about how about some eccentricities? Like, like the Duchess of Ferguson. I mean, Fergie. She gave Princess Diana foot warts. Michelle Pfeiffer, a guy with loafers, she says, ruins a sexy man for me. Why? This I don't know. I only know this is what she said. Tara Lipinski reportedly wouldn't skate without wearing assorted rings. Now, of course, this may not always come up in conversation at dinner, but Oliver Wendell Holmes used potatoes and chestnuts to ward off rheumatism. Brad Pitt once dreamt of everyone using his toothbrush. Do not ask me why. I'm just telling you this is what I know and have collected. Salman Rushdie's car was so heavily armored that it once nearly sunk in a parking field. And Prince William once itched to be in a comedy written by Kenneth Branagh. I'm going on, I'm going on, I'm going on. On Friday, restaurateur Joe Germanata, that's Lady Gaga's papa, celebrated three years sober with a non-booze dinner party. It was co-hosted by sobriety worker Rachel Hechtman, and it was at his just reopened Joanne Trotteria. That's on West 68th. It's called Joanne because that's what his silver-haired wife has, white hair, and her name is Joanne. 
There was no champagne, wine, beer, or scotch. The only alcohol served that one day was for wiping off if somebody schlumped spaghetti sauce onto you. With the food can come whatever's a pomegranate Negroni Spagliato. I don't know what that is, but he said it was a blood orange orange spritz. And just maybe it was going to have, but it didn't, Lady Gaga. Okay, I'm going on. I'm going on. I'm going to tell you some other things. Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera is no phantom. It's alive and well. But forget thinking it's going to be dead. The thing is just sleeping. You have read that it's going to close, and it will close on Broadway, but it is returning. This theater classic, which even had nine film lives, ain't going nowhere soon. You may not know it, but I'm going to tell you it will be returning. Only this time the shot will be downsized, like a 14-piece orchestra instead of the usual 20. So I guess it's going to be like Phantom Light. Lordship Weber is also writing coronation music to accompany the new King Charles. He loves the royals. He's gotten multi-honors with the royals. Now he's writing whatever umpas don't clash with a crown and ermine cape. If necessary, he'll even join in tinkling on Prince Empty and Me, Me, Megan. More. He's got a new reworked Broadway musical. It's called Bad Cinderella. It is now ready to open the Imperial on March 22. That's his 75th birthday. In a lot of years, he has never been without a show on Broadway. Okay, we're going to go further. We're going to go further. Wait, I got some more things I want to tell you. But wait, it's is it time? No, it's not time. It's not time for me to bring a station break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burble on. Okay, Washington, which organizes only Biden's nap time, is now into staging the Democratic National Campaign. Like mosquito bites, that mosh pit is soon upon us. The question is, where to hold it? The real question is, why hold it? New York City launched a campaign bid to get it. Also scratching for it was Chicago, Atlanta, and Houston. Chicago, however, has more problems than we have. Houston, perfect spot in real hot summer. Atlanta, I mean, why? It must be the only body in our capital with its head on straight is the Lincoln Memorial. Listen, all civilization knows, and let's not get around, there is no place like New York. Comparatively, Every other place is a parking lot. When we had de Blasio, you should excuse the expression, he had now, now, lots of time on his hands. He he was organizing for us to get it, but he nearly nailed it. But he blew the deal. Why, you ask? And if you don't ask, I'm going to tell you. Two reasons. He wanted it held in Barclays in Brooklyn. That was a no. Also, he probably wanted his wife to be in charge. Even Lincoln would have said no. I would like now to stay a little word, non-politically, about New York's governor. This is non-political. It is personal. I would like to say I appreciate for how our governor puts herself together. She reps the number one fashion city and always looks it. Whenever Kathy Hochul appears, despite an endless nonstop day, every hair's in place. The clothes are tasteful, never a wrinkle, not a spot, no rip anywhere, 
nothing smeared, shoes buffed, makeup fresh. Melania, Jackie Kennedy, Nancy Reagan had that ability. I recognize this is trivial compared to people's griefs and needs. I understand that. I am just simply grateful that in today's sweaty tees, ripped jeans, and no bras, and no pants, it's a world that she represents us tastefully. Listen, I guess it's not patriotic to, for me to keep knocking Washington as I've, as I've done periodically. Maybe, maybe we should just praise our elected official who actually comes second in the voting for our most exciting speaker award. And the winner, Marcel Marceau. And right now, I am going to take a station break, and then I'm going to come back with the people you would love to hear about. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Rachel Ray is on her way back to the Ukraine. It's for the fourth time. She is the Food Network star, and I'm about to ask her 5,000 questions. The first thing, before we go into the Ukraine, all of which we want to hear everything, but you come from Cape Cod. How did you get to be a famous TV chef in the first place? I don't know. I, I uh, I didn't set out to be, that's for sure. I grew up in the food business. My mama didn't trust um, babysitters too much. She wanted me and my brother and my sister on her hip and and, in eyesight. So we've all been in restaurants uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, My first memory in life was uh, griddling my own thumb trying to pick up a spatula when my mom had put me down in the kitchen uh, I, I couldn't have been more than three or four. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of like Harry Potter. Uh, my, my right thumb is permanently scarred. <laughs> it was sort of my mark of you're always going to be in a kitchen, kid. And um, I, I don't know, through luck and just the things that happened to me in my life, I got to be on Food Network. And then, of course, after Food Network for 17 years now, We've been doing the daytime show, and because of that work, I get to do things outside of the kitchen. We get to talk to everyone about different things, and um, I suppose that's the step in my life that opened up the rest of the world for me. Do you also do dog food? with everybody else, you know? Do you do dog food, too? Outside of Food Network. Do you do dog food? I do. I created pet food when there was a big crisis in our country about what we feed cats. And my mom had 18 of them at the time and and dogs. Uh, It it wasn't being regulated by anyone, the, the food that comes in from other countries. And a lot of folks made their animals sick and killed some of their family members. Uh, with 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 no thought of of course of doing that they were just trying to care for them so i started uh in my magazine writing food for dogs okay part of the content of the magazine we were producing and then a lovely company a small company um was the first meeting well not I'm sure they don't think they were small. They they were a very big company by their standards, of course. But they were bought by an even bigger company later. Uh, Dad's, it was the name of the pet food company. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, let's have a meeting. And uh, they took the recipes that I was writing for animals in the magazine and turned them into samples. And my dog, who's passed away since, God rest her soul, Isabu, she was the taste tester of all of the first uh, animal food. And we generated that business um, to give money to animal rescue. And I used the model that we were already doing for humans. My brand, when we started, my husband and I started our brand, we did it with this sole purpose 
that we got married so late in life. You know, John was 38. I was 37. Uh, we weren't going to most probably have human children because we were starting a TV show and a magazine, and we were very old. What's considered a geriatric pregnancy is, I think, anything over 35. So we thought, oh, okay, what are we going to do to give back? Uh, what are we going to do to to pay our lives forward in some way? So with that purpose, we uh, my that's how we started my brand to generate philanthropic okay. measures for human beings. You're and do, then we you're use doing that a lot of, to do the do, dogs and the cats and we save llamas and goats and horses too. <laughs> you're doing a lot of philanthropy. How did your interest in the Ukraine begin? I watch too much news. I get up very, very early in the morning. I'm usually uh, working by 4, 4.30 every single day of my life. And I watch news. It keeps me company in the morning. And a year ago, I started watching this phase. You know, these folks have been at war for nine years, not one year. It's been over nine um, for for the folks of Ukraine dealing with um, Russian aggression. Uh, but one year ago, the whole world started noticing this phase of this war. And my heart um, just broke. And it was such a dramatic story. And the the impeachment of our own president, like uh, every so many layers to this thing. And all I saw was the bravery of these people. There were grandmothers learning how to take up arms, grandmothers, and people learning how to build Molotov cocktails in their backyard. And I just thought, wow, this is incredible. This reminds me of America's own civil war and how far people were willing to go to protect what they believed in then, and all of these things that we stupid humans keep doing to each other over all of these centuries, we make all of the same mistakes. But the people that that stand tall and say, no, I want democracy. I want yes, to okay. be free. I, I, want to, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. This is something in the human condition that fascinates me and I find uh, miraculous, actually. Let me ask you. I find you, it beautiful that people let, can be so brave in the face of such horror. They, they, they're, they're just better than all of us. And I wanted to be with them. Okay. And then let, I gotta I a, wait. I, I, I gotta time, ask you. I gotta ask you. Yeah. I know it's nonprofit. Ukraine friends are helping you, but how did your family feel? Andre Fute of UCCA. Make sure I get in and out safely. And How did your friends. family feel? Tell me. I have to know that. Your own family feel about your going? Well, of course, they, they worry for me, but I hope they're proud of me. Uh, I get hugs when I come home. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and my husband came with me on one of uh, the trips, and he made food for over 5,000 people in one meal period of one day. So he understands what it is to, to give of service to. And listen, once you go there, once you're with these people, once you see that everyone, they try so hard to live normally. The sirens are going off all day, all often, all night. And they just go on living. They fight it. Were you those not terrified? That left, those that are there, they walk around. They try and go to restaurants. They try and go about life. And they are the bravest, most beautiful, most soulful people. They will never stop. They will never stop. And they Let will win because 
that's who they are. Let me ask you, know, you a question. It, it, I, it's so completely silly. Were you when not? I think of it. What, listen, I, this is true. I think of it like watching Dr. Seuss, like watching the Who's down in Whoville. There is no way that you can break the spirit of these people. They will sing and they will believe in each other and they will protect each other forever and ever. And you're never going to take away that spirit. And that's what I love about being there and with them. Were you not terrified? Were you not terrified the first time you went? No, I've never been terrified a minute that I've been there. My friends have made me feel safe. Uh, every minute, Andre Foute and uh, Friends of Ukraine, UCCA, I have never, I, I feel the complete opposite. I feel more alive, more significant, um, more grateful to be alive every minute that I have been blessed to be in Ukraine. And I think of it as an absolute blessing. I have never once because every time a siren went off, I could look around and see people with their children and strollers or carrying them in their arms going about life. That's the thing. When I'm there, I feel that I am more alive than I have ever been in my whole life, and I feel of purpose. Did you have any close calls? I, I teach with, 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 with kids and cook with kids at the orphanage, the largest orphanage in Lviv, which is the central orphanage for the country. I, I go to the hospitals, the children's hospital and the grown-up hospital, and now they're merging into this one unbreakable compound. Uh, that's the name of the overall project that's been uh, the dream of the mayor of Lviv for a decade now. Uh, and and we're building uh, towards com- uh, completing that in in the years to come. I have never been among people that are so strong. Okay, I and, have to ask you a question. Mm, did you get any special shots or things or guards? How did this work? How did they protect you? The UCCA gets a special passes. The Ukrainian. Um, a congressional committee. My friend Andre Fute, he brings over all the Congress people that visit. He he protects people. That's that's what he does. He knows how to do that, and they make sure we're we're good. And I bring as much as I can bring with me on each trip. Planefuls of whatever is on the laundry list. We make a list every time we go of what everybody needs at each place, and I bring over with me to, I uh, first land in Italy, and I, I bring my family to our property there. I leave them there, and then I go on to Poland. And, of course, from Poland you have to drive. So we put everything into box trucks for that trip, and we make the long journey. And sometimes it's a few hours, and sometimes it's many, 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 many hours. You never know. It is what it is. You have to cross two borders, of course, and go through many controls. But we have special passes that get us through to one point to another. Once we get into Ukraine, we're met by our friends, uh, friends of Ukraine, and they help us stay safe. Again, uh, you know, I've been in safe houses and warehouses and built out uh, uh, frontline kits uh, that save lives every single day. We go to hospitals and the orphanage. Uh, we have kind of a circuit now. And each time I go, we bring, we listen. That's, that's primarily what I'm there to do is to listen and to hear what they truly need and how much of it can we find or secure or procure. Rachel, let me ask you, have you ever had there a close call? Not that I know of, but who knows? Like, I don't know every time a siren goes off how close that plane was or how close the missile was. I've eaten in uh, diners and uh, traffic stops that are filled only with people being trained to go to the front lines. I mean, everyone in the place except us, you know, like four people, everyone's in camouflage, you know, and covered with weapons. So 
we've been uh, all over that part of the country. I stay near Lviv. Uh, I have never gone deeper. I would go to Kiev in a heartbeat um, if I was ever, uh, you know, granted an invitation there, of course. Uh, I would I would and will stand with these people for as long as I'm alive because I believe it is a moral imperative. When are you leaving? These You're going there. protecting the, uh, the democracy. You're going there us, now. You're everyone, going there now. Period. When are you leaving? I'm leaving the second our show wraps. I'm leaving. Okay. Uh, okay. March 17 is when the show wraps for the year. The 17th season of this show um, wraps on the 17th. Funny, right? Will you? Can, uh, so can I'm I? I'm leaving the next the the next night. Can I? I can I talk I to you when? Can I talk to you when you come back? Of course you may. Of course Thanks. you may. And Thanks. I, I, but Thanks. this will not be my final trip there. I guarantee you that. Unfortunately, I think that this war. I hope that 23 is the year of Ukraine. Um, Thank you. Winning. Oh, you know, yes, of course, we all do. Of course, we all of do. Course. We all do. But as long as they are fighting, I will be with them. I will never, ever be able to sleep at night again without thinking of them. Every single night when I go to sleep, I see their eyes. And I wrote a piece, so I don't know, a couple months ago or something. And I think it was USA Today is the one that picked it up. But I wrote a piece about these are the eyes of democracy. And once you see the eyes of these people, what they've suffered, what they've seen, what they've been through. Thank you. You, they, you cannot erase that image from your head. And all you want to do is be with them, stand by them, Thank be you. true to them and give Thank them you. everything you have left. Thank you, Rachel. Of, of yourself. Thank you, and Rachel, for coming on. And they make you stronger. On. They really do. I've never been scared a minute when I'm standing next to a Ukrainian because I know I'm in the right place and the strongest people I've ever known or met. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on, Rachel. Have a good flight, and I will talk to you when you come back after I pray for you. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, my darling. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, it is an honor, by the way. An honor to be asked to chit-chat with the likes of you. Come on now. <laughs> I look forward to it with your food when you come back. Thanks, sweetheart. I got to bring you a doggy bag or okay. come over for supper. <laughs> okay. Thanks, lovey. Thank you, Annie. Such an honor. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Thanks. friend. Bye. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Good afternoon. It's Madam Adams, Cindy Adams from the New York Post, and you better read me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you do not, you can listen to me on WABC every Sunday, 1 to 2 p.m. Now, this is going to be my loving day, and I am going to be kindly. It is not just to my Yorkie dog that my veins overflow with gentility and love. Known is that I'm a kindly warm-hearted person. My devotion almost overflows to elected officials. Excluded, of course, is our White House dummy who'd blow a debate with the Statue of Liberty, or Palauzi's husband who needs to get crocked before driving home to her. But basically what I want to talk to today about is Eric Adams, who probably gets his inseam measured in City Hall because he accomplishes nothing else there. Our former police chiefs assessed him at zero. I have spoken to each one of them, and they have all assessed him at zero. He now does galas and clubs with VIPs who would never, ever, never invite him before. He wants to be president? Lots of luck. De Blasio, who has a mathematics-enhanced wife, tried for president? No. He tried for governor? No. He tried for congressman? No. Next up, 
he'll go for Alderman. And may Eric check out de Blasio's current dance card. It's not exactly full. Now, Adams cannot make deals. This man does not know how. He is a blabberer, a talker, a BSer, an accomplisher? No. New York City's got poverty, homelessness, crime, filth, garbage-laden streets. We've got mice, roaches, spiders, thieves. We have poverty, terrifying subways, crime in schools, race hate. We've got us inflation, noise, public safety, business economy, housing woes, high taxes, and this man is pirouetting at parties. The man can't even fix New York City's parking problem, although here's an idea. It's not mine. People came up with it. One nightmare is New York City's parking pandemic. We've got tickets and cops and toes and snowplows. We have street cleaners and garbage trucks and trash, subway killings, bicycles, buses, outdoor eateries, bums, double parking. We've got construction, trucks unloading, traffic congesting, congestion, and we also have alternate side of the street parking, plus black cars and taxis and curbside panhandlers. A company named Spacer came up with an idea and told it to me. Now, many Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, and Jersey residents have unused parking spaces. They come with a condo, a rental, a co-op. But the owner, in this particular case, has no car. So a new app called Spacer has come up with the idea to connect residents who own an available spot with those needing a place to park. They can make a buck by allowing someone to park in their space. These vehicles then won't be ticketed, booted, towed, snowed in, or busted if they forget to move for alternate side of the street parking. So getting six parking tickets just last week, Sherry Shepard asked our pretend mayor to come on her talk show. No response. Long back, I'd asked repeatedly for an interview. Never happened. But give this BSer a TV camera, plus a chorus of mute faces behind him, and the no-can-do bobblehead will quack forever. Next time I want to talk to him, I'll put my request in a saloon shot glass. This man is just a talker, not an accomplisher, not a fixer, not a real official. He's not on anything. He's got no heavyweight connections. He is just a BSer, a talker. Check his coterie. Besides his brother who's on the payroll, check their new salaries and no accomplishments. We are the greatest country on earth, the planet's number one capital city. We got a dummy mayor and a mummy president with crummy financiers. We're not only tops in crime, but how about our city mice and live-in insects and our schooling issues? And what have we to fight it? A useless mayor whose lone ability is to zip up and chat to a camera. I had enough. I'm now going to a break. Bye. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. 
Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am back again. I, I just... I just feel like talking, so you can shut me off eventually. But right now, I want to tell you some more stories that have that have hit my brain. Carl Allen is not a name that will be familiar to you. He's from Australia, but he was, for maybe 10, 15 years, the New York Post editor-in-chief. He told this story that was never before told. He had sworn that he would never tell it. He was sworn to secrecy years back when it happened. I have never repeated it. I am now going to repeat it. Now for a first time, I'm going to open it to the whole world. He told me this now that he is back in Sydney, Australia, away from everyone so we can't get to him. This happened one day when he was having lunch with Tom Cruise. They were lunching for some sort of an interview in the now-closed but long-famous 21 Club. Everybody always went to the 21 Club. It was famous. It always had celebrities in it. While they were having lunch, Tom Cruise's two front teeth fell out. This was while he was chewing and having lunch. He did his very best to snap them back into the empty space. However, he managed to ask Carl, or he lisped to manage to ask Carl, to never, never tell this story. Carl never, never told this story. But I didn't promise. But he is now back in Australia. So I am telling this story. Okay? Now to go from this to a bit more serious, I would like to talk to someone who really runs part of our city. His Eminence, Archbishop Timothy Cardinal Dolan. These are his quotes. He is someone I treasure. And he once told me, Baltimore in the early USA had the most Catholics. It had 14,000. Today, that's considered a parish in the Bronx. As we expanded, so did religion. In 1808, the Diocese of New York was established. Okay, so I ask his eminence. Eminence, do, do cardinals at this height of their profession and religion, do they themselves go to confession? And he said, yes. They do. We do. You know why? We need it more. Behind a screen, nobody knows who you are. I'm in street clothes. Once the priest mentioned a great article by the Archbishop on the sacrament of penance confession. Behind the curtain, I sat quietly. I never said I was the one who wrote it. Continuing on, he told me, Cardinals retire at 75. I live here. I love New York. I'm at home in New York. I wasn't born in New York. I want to stay in New York. Odds are I stay in New York. Of course, it depends on your successor. But I would ask for an okay to an apartment here. I want to live here or in a rectory. So born here, but with allegiance to the Vatican State, I asked, well, what is your passport? He said, I am a proud U.S. citizen. I love my country. I understand that I have an American passport that is not special enough to get me through customs. The Vatican gives cardinals a diplomatic one when they're on some mission, a private mission like when I went to Cuba. Then a Vatican passport helps. So I asked him, Eminence, the official residence is so palatial. I have been in your own home. Is your breakfast porridge 
from Golden Bowls? Actually, I know it's not because I've had breakfast there, but I figured when I'm not there, maybe it's a better bowl. I said, is it from a a high-class porcelain? He said, listen, I am up early, around five. I go down to the kitchen microwave. I make my own instant oatmeal and coffee. The ground floor is so ornate, it's like Campbell's funeral parlor. But my upstairs quarters are simple. And this is Cindy now speaking. I have been in the upstairs quarters. It's very sparse. It's got one closet, and it's very small. I have been in the room. And said his eminence, So you ask if I only have a one closet. What clothes have I? A black cassock and black shoes. My room is simple. I can handle my own cigar collection. I can still put my feet up, and what I like to do is I read mysteries. But I will not let you examine my bar area. Continuing his eminence, he said, When I'm retired, I'd go home more. Maybe play a little more gin rummy or horseshoes with my nieces and nephews. I lost my mother this year. I used to go back every couple of months to see her. She was in her middle 90s. And for me, whatever hair I have left, it's hair down. I'll be simple. Eventually, I'd have more speaking engagements, give retreats to priests, take longer vacations, spend more time with my dog Pickles, I'd still have priestly duties, and I would offer Mass, and you can count me in to do confirmations, but there wouldn't be any restrictions on me anymore. But right now, I worry about decrease in religion. Jewish, Islamic, Protestant friends say allegiance to a faith in which you were raised and belonging to a church is not strong anymore. Religion is not important to people anymore. It's sidelined. The world has changed. An official in this state said the end of corona had nothing to do with faith and prayer. It was all science. Really? said his eminence. I say, baloney. Silence is a way God answers our prayers. And I am getting frightened that God is being put onto the side. Okay, I'm going to do some more. I would like to ask now, what has happened to our country's e pluribusunum? One for all and all for one. What has happened to freedom of speech? Even our first chief of state, George Washington, must have screwed up somewhere. I mean, look look at the pictures. Look at his hairdo. That was a mistake. Enough right now with Don Lemon. He didn't kill anyone. And if he did, our D.A. Bragg would have gotten him off. I am not on any side. I don't care if Nikki Haley becomes an archbishop. I am only on the side of my God bless us country. Everyone goes off the rails periodically. We all do dumb. It's what erasers are for. Don Lemon is egotistical. Yeah. So what? So are most of the people we have in show business. He thinks he's hot or whatever? Yeah. Well, he is. And he could be cemented that way forever. It is not easy for any single human being to make it. Let me tell you, it's tough out there. You may think you have it tougher. It ain't easy to make it. Even those who maybe believe they have nothing and don't have anything need to find something to scratch ahead and become something. 
Accomplishing takes strength. It takes guts. It takes cojones. So, this Don Lemon, is he full of himself? Yeah, he sure is. So what? So effing what? Viewers prefer 11-year-old anchors with long hair down to their boobs whose eyes stay fused reading words they never heard of and mispronounce. I've been in Afghanistan. I've been in Kabul. They mispronounce it Kabul. They're reading it off the charts. Were Don Lemon's anchor, co-anchor girls, right? Yeah, they're smart. They're savvy. And they wanted to get at him. So they went at him. They found a way to get back at him. They looked to slap him down. Okay, done, over. Listen, someone does wrong, you pee on them. Fine, but you don't book the electric chair. I just told Don Lemon to his face. I told him I dislike everything you stood for when you opined on CNN late night. He didn't storm off when I said that. He didn't put me down. He sat there and he left. But, and here's just my small opinion, he's good TV. He's a pain in the ass? Yeah. He's mouthy. He's knowledgeable. He knows what he's talking about. The fading medium needs stories, things, people to make you tune in, even to argue about. Civilization needs a break from those endless commercials guaranteeing pills that can improve your bladder. That's what takes up most of TV time. Don Lemon said to me, Listen, my choice to do mornings actually feels like getting out of a holding pattern. Late night for years meant I had no life. Now is a different vibe. It's no longer just me. But I have to admit, it is a little harder. It means serving many other people. The truth is, it's not so easy being one of a group. I feel I'm responsible for it all. Believe him. Don't believe him. Like him, don't like him. Who cares? Just shut up. Pin Nicky campaign buttons on his jacket and enroll him in charm school. Me, I'm just one small person shuddering at what's happening to this world. Our own blessed country's in turmoil. We've got Turkey, Ukraine, Russia, China, North Korea, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, marchers, protesters, fascists, religion haters, killings, robberies, poverty, homelessness, migrants, Biden. And now, CNN, I love you. I will be back to see you 